Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Say goodbye to diluted creams and serums that are often made up of 70% water and 15% preservatives, leaving minimal space for the ingredients your skin craves. The scientists behind fiber skincare have spent 15 years perfecting nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. And just one year ago, they patented a way of wrapping these nanofibers around oil or liquid-based ingredients. The result was a formula that delivers five times more active ingredients compared to creams or serums with no need for fillers like water preservatives or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is a plant-based anti-wrinkle set of patches that you use over seven days, applying them just like your favorite serums. Your skin will feel tighter in 10 seconds, and over seven days, the program is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by by 19.4%. In fact, they have a tighter skin guarantee where if your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they will give you your money back, no questions asked. Go to fiberskincare.com and use code unfiltered for 15% off. It's layered, right? It's a layered conversation. So you can start by teaching them how babies are made. Okay. In the traditional sense, you got a penis, you got a vagina, you got sperm, you got egg. It's like that's plumbing. age appropriate, right? It's easy. Age-pro- like your 14 year old has learned in school by now about baby making. Drop it like it's hot. Drop it like it's hot. Drop it like it's hot. Natalie, what do I do? <laughs> Hope is giddy giddy. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, no, Natalie. What? A bunch of crew people walking in. That's okay. Um, that's okay. Magdalena, do you mind going upstairs first? Is that okay? Okay, thank you so much. Um, we are so excited you guys are with us, and we have so many questions for you guys because I think that the conversation started to happen actually when I was on walks uh with a friend who's you know, a friend of mine who has a kids a little bit older than than me. And the oh, so, the dog, oh, oh dog, it's okay. And the conversation really became um you know, we can talk the wazoo out. Well, I guess I should introduce you to you first. I just really skipped right over that. We're, we're not good at that. 
No, I'm really bad at that. <laughs> I'm really bad at that. Do you guys want to do a quick intro of who, how you guys like to be identified? Because not only are you doctors, but you're also the head of. Oh God, this dog. Major, <laughs> uh, major, a major platform, which is so helpful to all of us moms. That's on you. I think they're oh. saying Hershey yeah. first. Okay. So I'm introduce myself or girlology. What did you want me to do? I think you should do both because okay. there's a reason you started girl, girlology. So I'm Dr. Trish Hutchison. I'm a pediatrician. I am a mom of two girls and currently I work in college health. And we really started girlology as an extension of our busy clinical practices because there just wasn't enough time to hit these big topics um, that we needed to hit with our own patients. And it's grown over the years to be a, a digital health platform where we support moms and girls to feel less anxious and more confident about their bodies. Mm, love it. That was great. I'm just Melissa Holmes. I'm the co-founder and uh, I am a mom of three girls as well, 17 to 28. So mine are a little on the older side too. You're a doctor. I am an OBGYN and my specialty is pediatric and adolescent gynecology. So I see oh. girls from birth up through age 25. Uh, most of my patients are like teenagers and college kids. Mm -hmm. Don't you wish that you had them? Yes, I do. Because I have to really tell you where we have like 13 and 14 year olds right now. Okay. And I feel like what people don't tell you is that the, the conversations we have are often when they're pre-puberty and we think we've locked and loaded it. And then it's like, you don't think they're doing anything. And then I feel like the train leaves the station and you're like, holy shit, do we, did you hear me? And when the trains left the station, they don't want to hear you anymore. And we, and we brought you guys on today because we need to talk about proactive parenting to repair your teen or. Yeah. someone, some people listening have kids that are 15 and like, oh my God, have I done it right? So like in terms of this conversation, help us like help. what like when is it too late is it ever too late and how do they hear us well the first thing i want to say is before you start having any conversations about sex is you need to unpack your own baggage from your sexuality education or even if you had your own sexuality education because you might have been taught your private parts are dirty or sex is shameful shouldn't be enjoyed all these things so if you've heard that you just need to sit with your feelings and unpack it and don't bring that bad juju into the room when you're talking to your own kids about their sexual experience. And Melissa and I will constantly say, start early and often start. It'll be like a broken record today, but I don't want to scare the shit out of any parents that has that 15 or 16 year old that hasn't had that conversation. It is never too late. They will listen to you, although they may not act like it. They're starving for adult conversations about these topics. So okay. if you're a parent out there and you have a toddler go with it. Start talking about proper names for body parts. Let them know they're not dirty or gross, what privacy means, all that stuff. You just want to empower them with the knowledge so they can recognize when something doesn't feel right. If you got an elementary age, yes, start talking about the science of reproduction, puberty, all these things. You just want to keep growing with it because this sex talk is more than genital sexual activity, right? It includes so much more. Like, okay, when you say it includes so much more, because I think there's so many buckets of the sex talk, right? There's a sex talk of like, like sexuality and like uh mommy and daddy had a bait like you see pregnant people and you're like the actual fundamentals of human life and then i think where parents struggle is with that some people do it for pleasure and then i think you get as a parent you're like oh. like it's like you're like okay so you know it's a roadblock for a lot of parents because they want to teach them the baby making but then are we teaching them about the non-baby making too 
Absolutely. You got to teach them about the non-baby making, but I think it's, it's layered, right? It's a layered okay. conversation. So you can okay. start by teaching them how babies are made okay. in the traditional sense. You got a penis, you got a vagina, you got sperm, you got egg. It's like that's age appropriate, right? It's easy. Like your 14 year old has learned in school by now about baby making. Or maybe yes. didn't learn it in school. That's or, the issue. Right. Oh, okay. 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 We're in Canada. So it's a little bit different over here, but yes, oh, yeah. we are a little bit more progressive with what we talk about. Yeah. But you know, when we talk to fifth graders, even fourth graders about the baby making part, one of the biggest questions that they'll ask their parent is like, so you and dad did that three times because you have three babies. And that's the perfect opportunity to say, well, actually, yeah, we did, but we did it more because (sighs) it actually feels good. And sex is supposed to feel good. That sounds creepy. Oh no. That's what I have to say when they say that. That's what I have but you only You're have to say it once. Like, okay. You don't have to keep saying it again and being like, we're oh. going to go, we're going to go have fun and remember that tonight. Thing that feels so you good. Could. We're going to do that again. So Natalie, you maybe can. you haven't unpacked your baggage because oh. you're scared to talk about that. Right, oh, right. Gosh. But you I can don't... just start easy like that. And then they'll go like, oh, it feels good. Oh, that's weird. I don't want to think about that. That's perfectly age appropriate. They're like, la, la, la. I don't want to talk about that. But then when they get to be 13 and 14 and they see that, you know, sex is a big deal. And why would it be such a big deal if it weren't fun and exciting? Right. And so then you can start having those more layered and deeper conversations about pleasure. So we just love to think they're important. No, go ahead. Kids love to think about how they're repopulating the species. If you talk about the science, they love the science of how puppies and kittens and all that are born. So those are the easy conversations, but, you know, affection, intimacy, consent, healthy relationships, pregnancy, STI prevention, all those things, plus pleasure, as Melissa said, is just a layered, continual conversation. God, I feel like it's so easy to talk about like the, the consent and the STIs, STDs, pregnancy, all of that, but the pleasure just feels weird with the kids. Yeah. Well, you I know, mean, no, have I you talked to your kids say. about masturbation? I mean, you know, babies masturbate. It's self-soothing <laughs> and that's pleasure. And so you yeah. can just point out, you know, we've always felt good about those things all of our lives. Like these body parts can feel good. I do, I can do. they come over? <laughs> can they come live with us? I do. I do love, I do love this conversation because, you know, this is going to be mind blowing, mind blowing for so many people, because I think mm-hmm. it's a really, you know, forward thinking and hard conversation to have. Cause like you said, we're not okay with our own, like a lot of people, married couples can't even have sex conversations because they, with each other about what they like and don't like. So we're really teaching a generation below us about new ways to do things that we were never taught. It's like, we're again, new and doing these new things. And it feels like a boundary thing. So I think a lot of parents think like, you know, they're not doing this in my house, keep the door open. You can't do this. So like, where is that? Is it, where's that line? If you know, they're doing it, do like, how do you instill your boundaries or are those boundaries old? Like, is that something we have to rethink in terms of having relationships in our house and us being the ones to support it? sexual relationships. Yeah, that's a, I think that's a super tough conversation. And I think that families in the Netherlands have set the standard for how that is best done. We're we're not doing that in the U S so they start sexuality education when their kids are in kindergarten, it's included in their curriculum all the way through school, their parents 
accept that their young children are going to grow up to be teenagers and are going to become sexually involved in an intimate relationship. And they prepare them for that. So in the U.S. and maybe in Canada, we have this mentality about losing virginity. Yes, we hate that. But they think more about the sexual debut. And so, mm, yeah. so when you think about, you know, you're going to have your first sex and you prepare your kids for that and you ask them, what do you want that to be like? Then you're preparing them. Now, as a parent, I will say like the Dutch people, they will give their kids a bedroom for their first sexual encounter. Wow. I, I which doesn't always include penetration, which doesn't, oh, right. right. This, you're, I think that's the other thing is people think that if they don't have sex in a hole, they're no longer like, it's <laughs> that's okay. Like, so my kids don't, we don't wait till they're married, but let me tell you, they're doing anal and blowjobs. So like right. it, 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 the whole sexual culture has to change of what we think virginity is and not. And your sexual debut is touching and feeling and petting and fingers everywhere. And that's mm-hmm. just and you can still get pregnant without penetration. So it's like these conversations have to all go together, right? Yes. And you and can I think parents have to de- Oh, sorry. Go yeah. ahead. Please. I just think parents have to define what abstinence is themselves, right? Is it just penis and vagina? Is it oral sex? Is it anal? Is it all those things that you talked about? And so when you tell your kids not to do it or what, you know, you just need to define it yourself of what you think. Abstinence. Is it okay to have that? You can tell them to be abstinent. Like that's something Ooh, like, I would know, never... I don't believe in hard nose. And when you tell your kid hard nose, we talked about this is what are they going to do? They're going to do the thing that you told them not to do. And so I think there just needs to be open conversations about it. Like Melissa brings it up, you know, ask them, what do they want their first sexual experience to be like and have that conversation instead of, but in the U S we do a terrible job. We tell our kids, you can't have sex till you're married or you can't have sex till whenever. And so our schools are doing a terrible job. And so are our healthcare providers in teaching our kids how to have a healthy sexual relationship and how to protect themselves. So we really need to do a better job. Let's blow everyone's mind. And can you guys tell us the average age of people's first sexual debut? And I'm not going to say sex because I think that every parent needs to open their eyes that sex is not the be end to the end all. And your kids have to feel safe in every situation. You know what I mean? So what is the age of most children, most children, I guess, or teenagers or tweens are beginning to experience with average average? Well, about 54% of adolescents between the ages of 15 and 19 have had some sort of sexual experience, but the new, yeah, 54%. And, but if you look at intercourse itself, you know, the amount of kids are having less sex these days, actually, Mm -hmm. maybe it's because COVID and they're not around other people who knows what it is. No, I think more parents are home. I think parents are home. Everyone went back to work. So there's no houses to actually have sex in anymore. That is a great point. That definitely (laughs) could be it. But the youth risk behavior survey, which the CDC um, reported on actually 2021, only 30% of high school kids had ever had sex before. And that was down from almost 50% in 2011. So kids are having less sex. Are they lying? Wait, I'm going to take a quick break and ask if they're, hold on, I'm going to take a quick break. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. 
Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you've been following us, you know we are last minute planners when it comes to summer, except for this year. We even have one of our kids going to overnight camp for a month, a whole month. We're super excited for them, but we are getting anxious about not seeing them for that long. How will they cope? Will they make friends? Will they be homesick? We all have our own unique set of stressors varying in size and significance, yet when we hold on to them, they can gradually take a toll on our well-being. Fortunately, therapy provides a safe space where you can get things off your chest and find effective strategies to work through whatever is weighing you down. Therapy offers a place to discover strategies for stress reduction and balance in your life, helping you face life's challenges with new strength. Like when your tween goes to overnight camp for a month and you're trying to put on a brave face. If you are thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's completely online, designed for convenience, flexibility, and tailored to fit your schedule. Simply complete a short questionnaire to be matched with a licensed therapist, knowing you can switch therapists anytime at no extra cost. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Nat today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash Nat. Are they lying? I hope they're not lying. These are anonymous surveys of high school okay. students and national representative. And, you know, they've yeah. said the correct numbers in the past, but yeah. I believe it. I think kids are having less sex, but this is the interaction. But, and yeah. other numbers like having four or more lifetime partners drop to 6%. And if you are currently sexually active in high school, meaning you've had sex in the last three months, 20% said that. So we're talking about penetration strictly, not yes. about like rolling dry humping. Yes. Okay. Yes. So how, what age do we think dry humping would start? I just mean in general, like, you know, are like, what a high heavy pet, like just I the, I think there's the, ever been a research study about dry humping, but I think I, it would be a great I one to think do. we think it needs to be added into the practice, ladies. You know what I mean? I are we 13, dry humping? 14. I think yeah. 13, yeah. 14. 13, 14, 13, yeah. 14. Oh my gosh. So if, if, if Taylor makes it to her 14th birthday and hasn't done that, then that's average. Be late. No, not late. So, but in your practice, do you think great. parents are aware of the, like, do, are we just oblivious and we think our kid isn't doing that? They're doing it behind our backs. Like in your experience with parents, 
are they just not tuned? Because I think so many of us think my kid would never do that. My kid's not doing that. And they actually are, but we're so afraid to look at them like they're people. They're just our children. It's kind of like teachers when you see them outside the school, what the hell are you doing outside the school? Um, Are we just, do we need to open our eyes and how do we do that? Yeah. I mean, I think parents have always been a little fooled by what our teenagers are doing, right? I mean, that's part of the whole teen development. They are supposed to be becoming more independent from their parents. They're not supposed to tell us everything, but, you know, being realistic versus having your head in the sand are two different things. And I think I I was laughing about this whole average age. So my youngest daughter is 17 and she's doing a project in school on sex education in America versus other countries. And she came home yesterday and said, mom, did you know the average age that kids start having sex is 17? And I was like, yes, I did know that. And that's in the U S and it's over there. And so then I'm looking at her, I'm like, well, what do you think about that? Mm -hmm. You know, so she is 17. She has a boyfriend. We are having these conversations, but do I want to know the moment she decides to have sex? I'm not going to know, but I'm going to be realistic. That's what I want to know. I'm like, is should should we know when they're doing? Like, should we expect that they share with us? And if they don't, should we be like, um, are you doing it? Or if and if they don't do it, is that do we, is that like a bad thing if we're not aware? Never ask, are you having sex? Because they're right. gonna, they're going to lie to you, right? <laughs> they're not going to tell you the truth. Like saying, are you lying to me? Yeah. Oh, so okay. I, I, I don't think we have to know everything. I think as long as we prepared them, given them mm-hmm. um, safe ways to protect themselves and talk about mutual respect and mutual pleasure, all those conversations, I don't think we need to know the when, the how, the why. And it's going to be somewhere where you're not there. You're not there yeah. anymore, right? They, they may not. hear your little voice, <laughs> you know, they may hear, oh my God, but you're not there anymore. So you do your best just to arm them with the information and the uh, protection that they need. Okay. And and another question I have is, okay. Is that, um, you know, I think that sometimes, you know, consent, Mm. I have heard about people, a girl specifically feeling embarrassed. The boys are asking and they feel like losers saying like, Oh no, like saying no, like feeling like, um, like the situation is uncomfortable to say, no, I don't want to do that next, which kind of backfires the whole, the whole consent thing rather than playing, you know, coy or shy, like, you know, rather than what used to be like, kind of like, I'll touch you, see how she reacts. Now the boys seem to have a full okay because they've asked, but the the girls don't feel comfortable yet to say no. Like, have you heard about this or like experiences firsthand in your experience and what can we do for our girls to feel more empowered to say no and not feel embarrassed about it? Yeah, I think that's a big problem, especially for girls. I mean, they're brought up to be pleasers, to be polite, to, you know, not be mean to people. And so when somebody asks them something, they want to please them and, mm-hmm. and, and say the right thing and not hurt anyone's feelings. But I think we can start modeling, you know, that when they're as young as possible, right? Like we need to listen to them and respect them when they do say no, so that they know mm-hmm. that their voice is heard and they know that they're respected. So when dad's tickling her and, you know, it's all fun until it's not fun anymore. And she says, stop, stop stop immediately. Let her know that her voice matters. And then she grows up believing that her voice matters and believing that nobody's getting their feelings hurt when you say no. So, so don't say like, Oh, come on, we're just having fun. I mean, you can't try to talk them into doing something once they've said no, like I'm done with my dinner. Oh, come on, eat a few more bites. I mean, even in situations like that, we can start modeling 
giving them that power in their voice. What about, um, I'm, I have no idea. I know you guys are going to know the answer to this, but I don't like, could you, um, with them kind of role play the situation with a boy and so they could practice. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're a big believer in learning comebacks and talking because practice, it makes, you know, you want to, you want to make sure they can do it in the moment. So I think practicing is very important because that way they're not becoming a victim, but they have the voice and the confidence to actually say that out loud. So don't ever say you're practicing or role-playing, but um, pull dad into the picture and say, Hey, let's try something. What if, you know, it's a what if game is what we call it. I want to, I love what Trish just said, because I think what's one thing that's really important for parents to understand is that brain development of the adolescent means they're not, their brains are made. So they do not think fast on their feet, especially Mm. in emotionally charged situations. And what's more emotionally charged than a sexual situation, Mm -hmm. but they're great. Especially when they like them, when they like them and they love them, that's what's really hard, right? Like they have feelings for them. Yes. And they so preparing them is important. And they want to do it like they want to, but they're not ready. So like I was saying, I'm like, this is a really hard path to be in because they're not going to come to you with those questions. They're not going to be, I'm not ready. I don't know what to do. So I'm like, how can we get them to know themselves well enough to know that they're ready without like, is it like a, a, like a little buzzer in your head that is like, yeah, you're ready. You're not ready. Do you know what I mean? Like, how can we be like, you'll know you're ready when, or there's no answer to that. I think every kid needs to determine that on their own based on their Mm -hmm. comfort in the relationship. Are they feeling safe and respected? And are we talking to our daughters or and sons about making sure that you're feeling safe and respected in the relationship and that your partner is listening to you? Um, That's when you know things are okay. Like, I don't feel scared. I'm Mm -hmm. actually excited. I mean, I love the idea of like, you know, how kids used to just make out in a dark room and explore each other before they were all exposed to porn and, you know, yeah. saw what got these. Dry humping. Like, Wasn't dry humping the time of our lives? Dry humping was like so great. And yeah. kids skip over that now. They think they're just supposed to go straight to sex. And I think talking to them about there's so much more than sex, like making out is really fun and you can yes. spend a lot of time doing it. So mm-hmm. I think those are ways we can help prepare our kids. I actually and put in my kids' oh. senior... um uh, yearbook, perfect your kissing skills. And she was so mad at me. Yes. I love I, it. It takes time. It's going to take years to perfect before yes. you move on to the next thing. And you yes. know, once you, once you really have sex, dry humping's gone. Like you will never dry hump again with that partner. So I am like, she's still, she's still feeling, you know, I was gypped of dry humping. Yeah. I got gypped early. You know, I'm like, God, if I could turn back time, it would be dry humping for life. Yeah. Um, life is long. You never know. Life is long. Um, as let's far, take a quick break okay. for your question. We'll take a quick break. We'll get back with your question. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Okay, so um, all about the right ways to prepare them for safe sex. feels very scary to have a son right now, I'll tell you honestly. And it feels very scary because of the things they have to say or not have to say the things they, you know, the ways they talk to girls, the way they approach them, the way they touch them. Um, I mean about protection. 
yeah, I mean that we have to learn, teach them how to protect themselves. That, that's another topic. But yeah. I mean, like, how do you like if if my my daughter's got a boyfriend, and I know that they're hanging out and they're potentially having sex, but I don't necessarily expect her to tell me when the debut happens. When then how myself? do I get her to like? She, obviously, she knows about all of the um, birth control, all the birth control options, but she's not on anything that I know of. Uh, how do we get them on? Like, how do we? What do we do? What's the best thing to? How do I do that? Do you have some stuff at home? Do you have some condoms at home? No. So maybe we just get some condoms and put somewhere in the home. And so if they we ever need that, the, we just had that conversation. Her brothers would die yeah. if they found You're condoms. for him too. Put them in the bathroom for all kids. They're not just for her. They're for him. That's a good point. All the boys too. And even if like they find them and then they start like laughing about a river, playing with them or taking them, that's okay. Right. Like, absolutely. You want them to play with them and figure them out before they're in the sexual moment, because 70% of guys don't know how to appropriately put on a condom. So it should be the size or the the size. size. They they like to get the wrong size. They should just have, you know, they should have anonymous sizing. Well, I will tell you, I have guys in the college all the time that say condoms hurt. And they don't fit. And I actually roll a condom down my arm and show them, is your penis bigger than this? And they're like, uh-huh. no, ma'am. So condoms no, ma'am. No, ma'am. all sizes. You should try it. Grab a condom and just roll it down on your arm. You'll be like, oh, okay. Jesus. Uh, that's, a like sa- that. that's a Saturday night project. It so, is a Saturday found, night fun I just project. Found one in my, I just found one in my daughter's sink, blown up, filled with water. And it was this big, just sitting in her sink, tied off. I'm like, why is there a blown up condom in your sink? She's like, oh, we were playing with them. So they can get comfortable with them. But go over the um, safety tips too, you know? I mean, a lot of people don't know they have to pinch the tip so the semen has somewhere to go, right? They don't want to bite it to open it with their teeth. They want to check the expiration date. They want to roll it down appropriately. And when all the activity's over, they want to take it off while their penis is still erect and hold the base so none none of the semen spills. I mean, these are conversations that... If you don't talk to them, they don't know how okay. to use it appropriately. They're just going to roll it down and who okay. knows what. Put, put what, age, like, what age, um, what age should I put the condoms in the bathroom? You have a 14 year old and how old are your boys? They go from like, well, one will be uh, 13. 13 and 12 and nine. I put them in. They all know what they okay. are. Even if yeah. they play with them. Okay. You know? And like, what about uh, next to condoms? Like, what would I say to, like, what would we say to our daughters who think, I think it's better to do it now when no one is in a relationship, like sexually and just like, I am putting these in yes, the bath, yes. you know, then when they have one, like, no, there's condoms in the bath. Like, can we you, do it together? Like, yeah, for we'll sure. do it at the same time. For sure. <laughs> They're going to eye roll us, but whatever. And then, but like, it's a party. So if I think, um, like, what about getting on the pill for the girls? How do I do yeah, that? So I had a conversation with my daughter when she was about probably 13 or 14. And I just okay. said, listen, w- w- there was one of her friends and this is really, I live in the South. One of her friends got a promise ring, which meant mm-hmm. she, it was a faith-based thing. She was going to promise to wait until marriage before she had sex, which is a horrible thing to do to a 12 or 13 year old, right? Like horrible. Mm. But anyway, my daughter was asking about it. And I was like, you know, she wanted to get her ear pierced, like her cartilage or something. And I was like, you know what? Let's make that your promise ring. She's like, I'm going to have a promise ring. I'm like, yeah, we're going to make a different promise though. I'm going to prom- you're going to promise to tell me when you need birth control. And I'm going to promise to listen and not be judgy and we'll just get it done. And that was our promise to each other. So, That's I mean, amazing. that was just our little ceremony or whatever. But, um, I think if you, 
hit them at this age and just say, okay. just promise me, you'll let me know if you need birth control. And I will not, I okay. will not judge. I will, I will help you get it safely. You know, the best, I'm getting nervous. The best, I feel like I'm going to do some things this week. The best thing we had growing up was like a, a teen clinic on, at, on a yeah. very busy street where you could go in anonymously. They don't exist like they used to, but it was, I can't tell you how many teenagers would go in there and there was no judgment. And it was such uh accessible and eat I think it was called the health center it sure was and, and you go and you get the pill no questions asked yeah and it cost five dollars and then they would do your they would gynecologist you and everything was just <laughs> your parents didn't need to know you were there it was the best yeah, and there was a bowl of condoms on the front desk it, and they don't exist anymore it's really too bad there are places like that in health departments in the U.S. I don't know about in Canada but they're definitely all the health departments are like that kids can go okay. in, but it's a little bit of a, it's, it's kind of hard to navigate. So you're yeah. right. It's not just simple. Um, but you know, yeah. it's kind of like that same talk you have with your kids about drinking. Like if you're ever out drinking and you need me to come pick you up, yeah, yeah, I will you're pick right. you up. No questions right. asked. It's the same yep. conversation. Is there like a, um, is there a word, is there a, is there something that we can tell them to be like, you know, like a safe word that they should have, even though they're not doing like BDSM, you know, something where they can, you know, text us a word and we just know to call them right away and go get them. No questions asked. I'm sure that's for drinking and stuff too, but have you guys ever heard that conversation about like, you know, where I struggle with is they're going to, the person in their life who they're intimate with is going to be the most important person in their life. We are not going to matter anymore. And we won't have in, um, intel into how they're feeling. And they will probably do things that don't make them feel 100% comfortable all the time. That's part of learning a new relationship, right? How can we stay in touch with them when they're at going out of here? Like, how do you keep them in your world when their world now is kind of with somebody else, but they're too young to make decisions that they, you know what I'm saying? Like, they're so influenced. Like, he's like, don't use a con. We don't need economy or birth control. Like, and then she's like, oh yeah. Okay. Like, is the influence so strong or are they hearing us no matter what? They are definitely hearing you no matter what, but you made a word. You said a word a while back about judgment, no judgment in that clinic. You have got to leave judgment at your door at home as well to be most effective. So I think it's really important to think of that. So when they come to you with any issue whatsoever, you may have to take a really deep breath or say, give me a few minutes, but really just try to listen and just don't scream, yell. I know you want to because your inside's like, oh my God, this is happening. But it does make a huge difference when you stay non-judgmental with your kids. And if they say like, I don't want to, um, can you not tell dad? Is that okay? That's the tough one. And that depends on your relationship with okay. your child's dad. <laughs> okay. I feel like I would like secretly but, you know, tell him, but tell her I didn't tell him. <laughs> My husband, yeah, he would be so hurt if he yeah. weren't aware of these conversations, but there are some conversations that kind of go into a place where I don't know if dads can handle it. If he's listening and understanding is really important in a lot of these conversations as well. So I, I think it's, if you have a good relationship to bring dad in there that he can give a male's perspective sometimes. Wow, I think that's it's really true. Good. Yeah. Without being scary. reactive. Yeah. Yes. Being really mature. Yeah. And, and being level, and showing level her how she should be treated. Right. That's like true. showing if it's a daughter and just like you do, show, do the same for your sons. I mean, yeah. dads do that for their daughters. Yeah, that's true. Do you think that one, and I know we, there's a, lots of um, interest, like there's no one, one sex anymore. There's male, female, you know, but is there, um, is there the higher 
I hear girls are like fuck buddy, like they're into the fuck buddy culture now too. Are they in, like when you hear someone, you know, my daughter's friends will talk about, oh, they're, they're having oral sex with multiple boys and, you know, they're in grade eight and I don't understand it. And you know what, that conversation, are, are they that empowered, that young, that like having multiple partners for like as fuck buddies and at 13, is that insecurity or is that really sexual empowerment? Like when can, when do we know right? if they're doing this because fucks the, they feel good about themselves or because they feel bad about themselves. Yeah. What's that line? Good versus bad about themselves. I don't know that I can even, that's a tough question because Mm -hmm. I don't even know. I mean, when I have girls that tell me they they're, I'll say how many sexual partners have you had in the last two months? And they're like doing this, you know, counting. And then they say 12 and I'm like, you know, I don't act that way. I'm not judgmental, but a lot of them will say it's because they really enjoy sex and they feel empowered. You know, some girls do like to have sex, but the younger age, I don't know if they really enjoy sex. I think you need to, it's, it's an age thing too. If they're younger and they're having all this, it may be a self-confidence issue. Definitely. Or power issue, right? Or power issue. Absolutely. They have power issue power. Yeah. And and that power issue is having control over something. Is that what that is? Absolutely. Yes. And I, you know, I have a lot of patients that are like in the 13 to 17 year old age group. So before they get to college and so often I hear things like, well, it just happened. And that just breaks my heart. Yeah. Like I want them to feel empowered. I want them to do it because they want to choose. And so that's what we want to avoid. Right. So it it is that power thing. Like it just happened because that person had power over me or I felt like I owed it to them. And so we just need to make sure our kids don't feel like they owe sex to anybody, that it's all within their, you know, within their power, their body autonomy. We should probably talk to some married women too about that. Do our, yes, yes. Do, do our daughters need OBGYNs? Not yet. Not until they're sexually active. I'm assuming I'm not a doctor. I just made that up, but we don't necessarily know when they're going to be sexually active. So as a pediatrician, um, yes. I, we usually take care of kids up to the age of 21, but sometimes the pediatrician is the old man across the street or person they go to yes. church with or anything like that. And so the ACOG um, is an organization of OBGYNs and they actually recommend to see a GYN between the ages of 13 and 15, just to establish that relationship. And Melissa can talk about that first visit, but as a pediatrician, we don't get like defensive because Melissa doesn't want to take care of primary care, but she wants to help with the reproductive, you know, and that those conversations. So Melissa, you want to talk about that first visit? Yeah. So when we bring, have a 13 to 15 year old that comes in for their first visit, it's a talking visit. We are basically talking to that kid about her emerging sexuality. We are also talking about any risks that she may be taking, whether that's alcohol, drugs, sex, uh, you know, unhealthy friendships, things like that. And they're honest. And then we just, they are very honest because we assure confidentiality. That is the cornerstone of that visit. And, you know, moms sometimes get defensive because they're, or sometimes dads will bring them in, but we always say like, we're on your team. We are promoting health and safety and we want her to start advocating for her own health. And the only way she can do that is to talk to me. Like I can't have the parent oh, talking for her so and answering all her questions. You. I know. Are so they all like these ladies? Lucky. They're so, they're so, you're, you're so, they're so lucky because you're far and few between. I think you know that you probably know that unfortunately, but you know, it's hard out there for, but it's, it's hard for us moms. And, but if we take our daughters to the OBGYN, we have the first appointment and it's a talking thing. I know my daughter will ask, are they going to check me for any, when did they start no. checking? 
We only check if they're having a problem. And, okay. and a lot of times that checking doesn't involve a speculum exam. It might just involve looking or touching okay. with a Q-tip or something like that. So pap smears are not recommended until 21. Okay. We can test also, for sexually transmitted infections through their oh, right. urine. So they don't even have to have a pelvic exam for that sometimes. Okay. And then, um, um, what was I just going to say? It's like I'm getting but I think it's interesting the visits that we have sometimes when the moms leave the room, the kids really disclose, you know, go in, don't yeah, go I, in with your child. Don't. Right. They aren't Please. having sex when their mom's in the room, but mom leaves the room and they're like, yeah, I have a boyfriend. I've been having sex for, you know, <sighs> Two years. Yeah, and mom does not need to be in there. No, you don't. That's like having your kids in your room when you're having sex as a parent. No, leave them alone. My, my daughter has a social worker at her school and she just goes and talks about everything with it. She's like, so I was talking to Joy and I'm like, okay, you're not talking to me about that, but I'm glad you someone to talk to you about. I'm like, lucky Joy gets all the details. And that's such a good point because moms get defended if the per girl's not talking to her and please don't. It takes a village, right? And so I think it's so important to have like-minded women in your girls or boys' lives. And please, moms, don't ever get offended or that they're mad. talking to somebody else. Yeah. But sometimes right. it's just hard for a kid to come to you. Maybe you lost your cool one time and they're nervous to come back to you. So I think it's mm -hmm. the village makes a big difference. Yeah. The other thing yeah. I've heard with my kids is they sometimes like don't want to listen to me. Like I might start a conversation and they're like, I don't want to hear it. But when their friends are in the car, I can bring it up and their friends are all over it. So I get to yeah. talk about it in front of them. Yes. Um, and that's another part of that village. That's so powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot of my children's friends come and ask me questions. Cause I'm, I'm the most open about it. And that's actually, I've had two generations now that keep that. I had, had the next generation asking me questions. I'm like, I'll tell you anything. What do you want to know? And they were like, I was <laughs> just so, you know, I had, two 11, I had two 11 year old boys and they were like, we have to learn about what we were like in the tummy. That's disgusting. Like, oh no, let's go. I'll tell you everything. What do you want to know? How you got there? What do you want to know? It was so funny, but um, you guys are really so helpful. And how can do you just do girls? I know it's called girlology, but if I'm a parent, and I have two, two, if I have two boys, can I learn about how to, they can be, cause they're probably gonna have a partner that's girl maybe. And if they don't, they need to learn how to work with girls. What, what can I do if I'm a parent and, and want access to you? You want me to, we focus on girls mainly. We do have gyology, but we're just such a lean, mean team. And we're really trying to focus on the root causes of health disparities with girls right. and women. And so that's kind of where we are right now. We would love to have someone step up and help us with gyology. We just don't have the capacity um, to do that right now, but it's important. It's an important conversation. And, you know, guys need to learn about girls, gender diverse, all these kids need to learn about each other. So they do have full respect um, for body changes and for everything that's going on. So, um, yeah, we're but it's there. important. Girls do need the girl. Mm -hmm. We do need to learn. We're so behind, you know, and even I'm, I'm still hearing stories about girls being, having hurtful, um, procedures around gynecological visits mm -hmm. with, with no pain management and, you know, just being so traumatized. So it's still happening. So yeah, it is a really important platform to have. So girls and women can come find you and learn all about things like you just said, and honest to gosh, these conversations, you, you helped me once again and debunked mm -hmm. myths and made no conversations normal. And I hope to every other person listening, they also got, got the same feeling that we can't be, we can't, it's going to happen. They're going to do it. I've got, so, I've got homework. Yeah. Yeah. Homework. Condoms and conversation. Con mm -hmm. conversation. There you go. I really appreciate you guys for joining us and taking time out of your busy days mm -hmm. and anything we can do to help support you, please let us know. Thank you. Thank you Appreciate so much.
Thank you. We love that you're having these conversations. We're trying. <laughs> Bye, ladies. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye.